Hi, my name is Daniel Machado from Upper Deck, and you're listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective, an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast, so come check us out, just like our guest did a mere few hours ago. With me, as always, is my co-pilot in all things Marvel Cards. Last time he played Pack Wars, he got two rooms into the truck before he realized he didn't need to, you know, actually pack to be involved it's Norin rad wait do you really not have to pack no dear how many times have you moved god dang <laughs> he's been on pack wars now 84 times so yeah. yeah yeah exactly and he's still thinking where are all my cards well it's just one street corner after another hey buddy how are you i'm all right how are you <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness me i'm just gonna get straight into it um uh, we are joined uh, by guests we have an upper deck it's an upper deck episode norin yeah we, we should have a jingle Ooh, we should have a deck. jingle we should we should have a ju- upper deck jingle um i'm, I'm we'll actually not figure this out well no 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 well uh, let's ask our let's ask our guest um we are talking to um on this episode um um very special guest daniel machado is with us um i don't actually know your job title daniel what what's your job what's your role my uh, technical title upper deck is content manager content manager marvelous okay so daniel not not meaning to put you on the spot straight away but is there kind of like an anthem like a song that always goes on at the office parties that it would you you would think would be the upper deck like jingle i mean you know it could be the macarena it could be Labamba by the Gypsy Kings. Um, I don't know why I went Latin American on those both of those things. You went hardcore no. Latin America. I did. I did. <laughs> I don't know. Is there one? You know what? If I if I don't think we have an official song title, but uh, if I could pick one, it'd probably be Africa by Toto. So a little inside joke <gasps> oh, wow, at the that's office. That's a good one. Africa that's by a good Toto. One. Brilliant. Okay. okay. <clears throat> we are going to edit a little bit of Toto. Just a little bit. Just into Taster this as the official. In fact, we might even go. <laughs> I might even go back to. Oh, listen! I played the entirety of Kaylee by Marillion at the end of our hundred episode, and no one sued us yet. No one said anything. I was. No one shocked. said anything. No. No people uh, contacted us. Nothing. No. And we're still on the radar, so it's so strange. You know what I mean? Because we're such a big deal. One of these days, there'll be a cease and desist. Anyway, I'm going to go back to all previous Upper Deck episodes now, and edit in <laughs> that little jingle. Um, and in fact, I might even put the whole thing on Jason Mashera's episode because he is the boss <laughs> after all. Anyway, Daniel, welcome. Welcome, Daniel. So uh, content manager at Upper Deck. So what what do you do? What do you look after at Upper Deck? I look after EPAC. That's pretty much my responsibility here at, at uh, Upper Deck. So, you know, just making sure that from a day-to-day perspective, the site's up and running, whether that's content-wise with products, uh, news posts, emails, um, the site itself, making sure it's functioning properly on a day-to-day basis. I know you guys use it pretty often, so you can see that, the, you know, there's issues with running a website, but um, yeah, just making sure that everything day-to-day with EPAC goes smoothly. 
It's basically my responsibility. Wow. That's a lot of work, man. You must wow. be knackered. You must that's, be absolutely knackered. Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of stuff going on, man. Uh, I'm, guessing you, I'm guessing you have a team working with you. We do, no, yeah. It's we have just him. Did you not yeah. hear that? <laughs> yeah, we. It's just me locked up in this room working on the EPAC. No, we have a, a great team that we work with. Um, it's it's continually growing as well as EPAC grows. So that's that's been super helpful. But yeah, we have a, a great team that works on the site in various aspects to to get everything up and running and and going, so you guys can enjoy it. Good. Good. That's okay. Awesome, so, so let so let's let's walk it back slightly, Daniel. Um, your your give us your origin story. How did how did you get to Upper Deck? What's what's your background? What is what does it take to become a content manager? It's my origin know. story. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I think we'll go back. You know, as a kid growing up, I was a big collector. I think as a sports fan, I started collecting baseball cards at a really young age, and that kind of expanded into other other sports and other interests as well. I uh, collected Pokemon cards when I was young. That was getting really big for the first time when when I was a kid. So, you know, a lot of great memories opening up Pokemon cards and, and baseball cards as well. And that just kind of continued to develop and expand as I got older. Um, you know, collected other sports, collected other, you know, entertainment cards. You know, started with Yu-Gi-Oh! for a bit. I uh, played a little bit of Magic the Gathering actually got the versus cards but uh i don't think i fully learned how to play the whole game so that was a bit of a disappointment but got into that as well and i was always interested in marvel as well um i didn't collect comics quite as heavily as some of the other upper deck employees that you've talked to in the past where they've you know got pretty incredible long box collections uh started a long time ago so not quite as much for me, but it was always something that interested me. Uh, when the movies started coming out, that was pretty awesome. I thought you know, that was great, having read some of the comics and, and looked into some of that content. Um, eventually, seeing that on the big screen was, was awesome. So kind of continued collecting off and on throughout my you know, childhood and uh, you know, getting closer to being an adult. And then once I went to college, I was at Santa Clara University in California. Um, I had graduated. I finished a couple months early, so I had some time to try and figure out what I wanted to do with my life after that. Um, I was a marketing major, so I wanted to get into some sort of business role. And having collected Upper Deck cards for my entire life, I figured, you know, why not give it a shot, apply for some open internships they had over the summer. So uh, I actually applied and got hired on as a talent relations intern. And... Um, that was a lot different than what I'm doing now, but it was a, a super fun time. I, I love doing that. Um, I started just over five years ago. And so uh, in addition to a bunch of different roles and responsibilities, I was helping to um, contact a bunch of retired NHL players for this Toronto Maple Leaf set we did. So it was a lot of texting and calling and emailing you know, players from, you know, Pretty recent, recently retired to like they finished playing 30 to 40 years ago. So wow. a lot of funny stories with those guys and and their significant others answering the phone and, and kind of walking <laughs> them through why we want to pay them to sign autographs for us and, and make trading cards for them. So that was you know quite the experience. And so as um, you know, I worked in that role for just about two months, and some some uh, openings were becoming available upper deck, and one was as a product coordinator for the product team. So 
I think uh, a few of the guys that have been on have talked about that role, you know, mm-hmm. building all the checklists. Uh, that really interests me. So I applied for that. And that was not only for, you know, some of the sports products, but it covered a lot of different genres and and products that we were working on. And, and it also included EPAC. That was still in kind of its early stages at the time. Right. So um, I interviewed with Grant. He, uh, you know, he's been on the, the podcast. So it was a pretty amazing podcast. And he's got a, a wealth of knowledge and experience and oh. in, in collecting and in, in at Upper Deck too. So uh, that was a really cool experience to, to get to work with him. And so I started in September 2016 as a product development coordinator. And, you know, from there, I, I think I worked about or worked on about just every single property we had at one point. Um, you wow. know, guys would would step in or out at certain uh, other coordinators. So I would you know, help out with the Marvel content, uh, some of the hockey stuff, uh, anything from CFL, the USA football, worked, wow. worked on good one a year or two. So got a chance to see a lot of different products on on uh, the upper deck calendar and, and and see it in epac too that was definitely growing at the same time so i worked as a coordinator for a couple of years and then as epac expanded those opportunities also expanded so i ended up joining the epac team or basically helping to create the epac team uh you know in a more full capacity probably about three years ago and and since then have become content manager now and, and oversee more of the day-to-day you know epac uh, happenings so wow. it's been it's been a fun journey for sure it's crazy to see what's happened in five years that's I was gonna amazing say, for all that to happen yeah. in five years my man you've been busy been it's working. been a busy five years yeah yeah no kidding dude very knowledgeable very cool to see you going through the ranks like that and being able to like be a part of every set yeah, too absolutely. man oh wow fantastic what what amazes me um daniel if, if you don't mind me saying is is you barely look like you're you're sort of 17 you're very young <laughs> so it's like he, he started there when he was 12 <laughs> it's like wow they're hiring them young um but um but that it's that's that's quite a journey because epac if i'm right epac launched in summer 2016 am i right yes so i think it was just before i was actually starting with the company epac was first launching and the first couple of products were available so it yeah. started shortly thereafter that's right because i have a feeling if i remember that i should have i should go back and listen to it but i remember jason telling us it was around the time of masterpieces 2016 um coming out which came out on epac almost at the same time i think a san diego comic con it was october or was... september daniel no, i think better. it was earlier maybe earlier yeah, I think it was. I'm, I'm seem to Yeah, I need to go back and listen to it. I'm seem to remember Jason telling us that it was around the time that um, of Comic Con. So, anyway, I don't know. It might be. I mean, that's a pretty special set. I mean, being a part of that. Were you part of that, Daniel? The Marvel Masterpieces 2016? Not 2016. No, that was all up on the site and released. I think it sold out well in advance of me joining. So, oh yeah, didn't get yeah, that was... quite experience all of that. That was yeah. crazy. That was that was nuts for us, man. That was I pretty fast. Was. I bet it was. So, so what? What? Um. So it's clear to me that the, the EPAC team is kind of your kind of a a, a a sub team within Upper Deck. Yeah. So you work alongside the other departments. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So how? Um, so what's what kind of what's the journey, if you like, just on a typical set? Could be Marvel. Could be a non-Marvel set. Um, 
for for something that starts off as physical and then goes to EPAC. Just kind of give us the the, the broad brushstrokes of how that comes through the the pipeline, if you if you see what I mean, from product development to to physical release and then to EPAC. How how does that how does that work for you guys? That's a good question. Uh, I think we're as an EPAC team involved pretty early on. Um, you've probably talked to some of the product and brand teams to see how that you know how products go through the pipeline. So I won't get too much into that, but yeah. um, obviously the product managers come up with an idea and push it through the system. You know, early in that stage, we're involved working with them to make sure that the EPAC content, if it's going to be an EPAC product, looks good from our perspective. And then you know, we get some input on the achievements as well, just to, to make sure that that uh, looks compelling and, and something to kind of interest our collectors on the site as well. So we're loosely involved throughout that process. And you know, for the most part, up until the product's produced, we're not heavily involved. And then once it once it prints and it's ready to ship is kind of when we get more involved in gotcha. coordinating uh, you know shipments from the vendors or from from our team uh, out to ComC so they can you know store those cards and begin processing those cards. So um, it it does it's very involved. It, it tries to simplify it as much as possible, but that's yeah. Yeah. you know that's one of the reasons it takes a little bit longer for us to get everything you know uh, up and running from when. You, know, you might see it in hobby, and then you have a short delay, and then it's on EPAC. Sure, I yeah. I always I always equate that window to the um, to the window you used to get between a cinema release and a home video release. <laughs> it's kind of uh, it's not it's yeah. not too dissimilar actually, and it's kind of the <laughs> example because we we get so many people coming into the group who who yeah. are new to it completely and don't understand what it is, and that's <clears throat> that's always the um, the analogy I use. <coughs> oh, excuse me, sorry. No, when you talk, I'm dying. I'm talking. Um, no, I love that actually. He hasn't told me that, but I think that's great actually, because that is that three, four month window. But I mean, there's so much you guys have to do just to get to EPAC to function well. I mean, from the categorizing, all the checklists, the project list, the pack art. So that's something I'm interested in, um, in terms of you guys bringing this to EPAC. How fun is it to come up with these digital packs for some of these sets that don't exist? That must be a trip. Yeah. Uh, we've got, you know, a great design team that puts that all together and, and brand team pretty much manages that. So when they're putting together the, the foil pack art that gets printed, they're doing the same for EPAC as well. So they'll look pretty similar, like at least related and then, uh, you know, have some slight variation. So you can tell there's a difference between the hobby and retail and, and EPAC. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. To, that, that was one of the, the key features of EPAC we wanted to keep, you know, keep it as close to in-person physical collecting as possible show those packs make them look like those foil wrappers so you're kind of reproducing that that pack opening experience that you you'd get you know at home opening a a hobby box of cards or hobby pack very cool very cool to see that actually being uh, actualized and everything very fun so when you guys make certain decisions about combining cards to make a physical card and to make a variation and stuff what are some of the things that you guys go through for particular sets when you're trying to make those decisions it's a good question uh it really you know varies set to set based on the content of the set how often the base set cards deliver per pack per box uh, we take a consideration to that. Um, you know, there's some some pretty standard combining rates that we use across the board, and and you'll see some sets too. They're just so premium that you know we feel like we have to deliver 
the base set cards to the collectors too. So, yeah. um, you know, you'll see something like masterpieces, obviously with the serial numbered base set, that's going to be entirely physical, but you know, for the most part, I think the the ability to have those combining or stacking parallels just adds so much to EPAC. Even you may not get the physical base cards in each pack, but now you've got a, a basically a piece of a base set card that you can create. Uh, you know, create these these pretty awesome combining parallels that you can't get in a hobby. Um, you know, especially when you get them in hand. Some of the foils and and designs are just incredible. There's Whoa. beautiful cards. You guys are definitely responsible for Ian and I losing our minds over Fleer Ultra Spider-Man foils and rainbow <laughs> foils because they look great, man. Like, I think I I'm, I still think back to us rushing and trying to get these cards and trying to do all these combining for these EPAC achievements. That's just so much fun to be able to do that. Such a great thing to add in there. Yeah, that was a set in particular with a lot of combining, a lot of different parallels, you know, multi-level combining. So... Um, yeah, Fleer Ultra Spider-Man, that's quite the set. Yeah. Tell you the interesting thing about Fleer Ultra Spider-Man, one thing that I thought, and you may or may not be able to confirm or, or deny this, but it must be at a certain point, because of the fact that you do lose the physical cards when you combine to get a silver and then you combine those silvers to get a rainbow, it must be almost self-replicating to a point. I mean, I know you eventually you will run out of the hits, assuming they've all been printed and they're all stashed there, but I imagine that gives a product that much more longevity because those physical cards you know if everyone had got 100 physical cards had actually not done the rainbow and had them shipped back to them you'd have probably run out of set a lot sooner than you did or paper <laughs> well yeah because um, they all physically exist yeah yeah i think one of the misconceptions with that product is like as cards got combined we just kept making more inventory um that product we made a fixed amount of cases and you know once that sold out it was sold out and um you know the the combining of cards didn't really affect the the quantity of those cards so it wouldn't it wouldn't be like uh you know ian combined his spider-man cards and then you know another pack was created for norn but uh you know that that i think that was one of the misconceptions with that with that product and how things right, work, that we're just recycling inventory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I had a feeling they'd all been printed, but it, I meant, I meant just in terms of the obviously they go back into the system. So, you know, it's a great those, recycling that, idea. Yeah, because that yeah, cards, yeah. they wouldn't have been physically taken out of the Comsi warehouse and destroyed. In theory, the system would have put them back into the pack. End of it. You know, otherwise you'll be like with a big skip putting all these base girls into the skip out the back. Um, and one of us hobos going in there and rummaging through it and trying to <laughs> trying to steal. Still them. a good idea to go over there and do that, Ian. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> I, I imagine they've got cameras all around that building, yeah? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Daniel's not going to confirm or deny this. He can't tell us. <laughs> My lips are sealed. Arrangements. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I'm sure. Well, hopefully not too sealed because we are on a podcast. <laughs> um, so what's the um, – what I'm curious about is, is obviously you've just been through – Okay, so from what I understand from from Jason when it started, the the, the site was built by uh, is it a company called Dynamics? Yes, and they're kind of from the financial kind of sector background. Yeah, I think they started working with um, kind of credit card payment processing or, gotcha. or something along those lines. Okay, 
Wow. Okay. So, and obviously that site was was up. You know, the first version of it was up for a while. But under your fine kind of uh, leadership, you've probably just been through the craziest upgrade of any website that 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 <laughs> has ever happened. <laughs> Tell us about that experience about moving from version one to version two, the VPAC. Yeah, that was quite the jump. It was definitely a substantial uh, kind of overdrive. I think you know, we started planning that well, you know, at least a year and a half before it actually made it out to the public, just starting to work on the designs and, and really starting with the feedback from collectors, what they wanted to see improved. You know, what what about the old EPAC site or I guess now the old EPAC site, but the current site, do you like what don't you like how could we improve that and you know you know what can we do to make this the best collecting experience for 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 our collectors so we started from there and kind of developed to what you see today on epac so um you know we worked with the design team to create all the different pages um you know back and forth feedback there um you know working internally and with some external um you know, people f- providing feedback just to, to make sure everything looked good as we were going through that phase. Uh, then once we got the de- designs finalized, we had to implement that and test through it. So, you know, pretty extensive testing to make sure the the experience that we were giving before not only matches what we've got on the new site, but is improved as well since, you know, there was still some new features, a new layout that, that we didn't have on the first site that all of a sudden mm-hmm. appeared on EPAC. So we want to make sure that that was uh, you know, as, as good as it could be. So it was a, a pretty lengthy, extensive process to get to where we we are today. Um, and, and it's never finished. I think that's that's one thing we always talk about. It's like we've always got a development queue of, you know, trying to come up with new ideas and new features and new functionality that's going to make EPAC better for everyone. So it's never really like, okay, we're done working on EPAC and then we can relax. Yeah. It's like, what's the next feature we're going to come up with and yeah. how can we make this better? Yeah. So... Um, you know, we kind of continued to uh, improve and, and make updates to the site, but, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty extensive process. Um, I think we tested through everything and then launched the site towards the end of last year. Obviously, um, pretty crazy the first few months, just getting you know everything back up and running. I think you know with anything that big of a change, there's going to be some some discrepancies and, and or some issues that you know, need to get worked through as we you know, move it from a test site to to uh, the public site. So, um, you know, maybe not completely seamless, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, you look at the two sites together and it's, you know, night and day really what, what those look like. And, mm-hmm. and again, like, I think we've, we've done a pretty good job of taking any issues we saw at the site early on, getting those addressed pretty quickly. And then, you know, working from there just to, to continue to improve the, experience for everybody yeah definitely yeah no it's great i mean that, that's that's actually interesting because obviously with any good website it's you, you the way you've got to look at it is that it's always in beta you know you're always trying to improve you know it's yeah. consistent you know consistent testing and learning and you know a b testing and all that sort of thing so um i'd love to see some of those plans for stuff you've got coming up but <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, what um, what would what would you say you're most proud of in terms of how the site was to how it is now? What what what, what was you what was you most pleased to see realised and and released? And and what maybe 
was in the mix that didn't quite make the cut that you wanted to add? It's uh, a good question. So I think just the overall look and feel of the site now, it might have taken you know, our collectors a bit of time to get adjusted to, to the new layout, a new interface. I, I think we knew that going in, it was going to be a bit of a, a pain point just getting adjusted to something completely, not completely new, but you know, buttons are in different places, you know, links are provided in different ways. Um, so I just think the overall look and the feel was was great. Like it just seems like a much cleaner website. You know, easier to navigate if you've never been on the site before. Mm. Um, so just going from where we started to actually getting it out there, that was a huge win, um, and, yeah. and something we're pretty proud of. Yeah, the header banner that you guys installed in there with the drop down really is a lot cleaner. View my collection. That's all really nice and accessible. Very clean. Very very clean. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that was that was a big one. Just you know, making it easier to get to the trading marketplace, easier yeah. to view your collection. You can click up there, and you're you're on any of those pages in a single click, which you know was was never uh, a possibility on the older site. Yeah, Ian and I have done a couple of EPAC tutorials for people just because I think the hardest thing for people to understand, which hopefully when they come into this episode, they're getting a better sense of this, is that you are opening most of the times, depending on the product, of course, physical cards digitally. You know, and I think the biggest issue that comes there is people don't realize how much that is going to be so integral to the future of getting physical products, right? A lot of things eventually will be interacting with them initially digitally yeah. and then having them shipped to you. I think that's going to happen in many different ways. And I think it's just so exciting to see EPAC bringing that function to a reality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What I um, what I, I always tell people about EPAC is that everything you open, even the digital stuff, is a stepping stone to a physical card, unlike tops collect where it's all digital and it you know it could it could get switched off overnight and your collection is gone baby yeah uh, that always which, breaks my heart for those guys for people who do those digital collections me. and yeah yeah that scares the hell out of me yeah <laughs> i couldn't do that yeah. i mean it, it's twitchy enough knowing that it's physical but still seeing it on epac and never having touched most of my collection on there which is <laughs> all the collectors in the group are like it's kind of like, weird it's like it's okay it's there She's it's, there. it's really there it's okay it's um <laughs> We the um, exercise to sell through it. So. <laughs> um, we, um, we, you know this because we, we we talked about it briefly before um, before uh, we started recording. Um, we um, we didn't tell people that we were talking to you, um, but I popped a, a very leading post on the group um, this morning and said, if you have one question for the guys, um, uh, for, if you have one question about Upper Deck, actually is what, how I phrased it, what would it be? Um, and we got a load of them, and I know you had a quick scan, and you kind of know the lay of the land with it, and 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 um, and there's there's some interesting ones in there, um, I guess. So if you don't mind, we're gonna we're just gonna dip into them a little bit, if that's okay, because um, I think I think they're really good questions, and they're all, all stuff people would like to know. The top one, and uh, there might be a little bit of explanation as to why this can or can't be possible. Um, can there or will there be an app? Yeah, I, I figured that would be the first question and looking at all the feedback and, and yeah. likes and, and comments. Uh, yeah. it, it's been considered, especially early on in EPAC, uh, just reviewing you know what we've got on the site, what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to 
provide for our collectors, it makes a lot more sense for us to provide, you know, a pretty robust mobile um, web program or website rather than an app. It just wouldn't, you know, give you the same experience as you get now with all the the trading and opening and purchasing. There's just so much that's tied into it. It just wouldn't fit well right now with an app. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my understanding of um, how apps work um, is that you wouldn't have you, you you wouldn't have that constant live connection to the behind the scenes complexity of the website because obviously it's a very live moving. You know, it's constantly moving. You know, you've got cards moving from A to B and the system's tracking it. And I'm guessing, um, if I'm understanding it correctly, if you put it in an app, you, you risk that that chain of movement of the cards moving around the system being broken. And kind of, uh, you know, that connectivity would be one of the challenges. I don't know. Perhaps, yeah. It's pitballing here. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, making it as as quick and fast as possible so that there's no delays, no lag. Um, Like you said, there's just so many moving pieces and different connections between the site and ComC and, you know, and trades that Mm -hmm. it just, it would be difficult to really um, encompass all that in, in a single app. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, is that? I'm. I'm just going. I'm just going to. I'm just going to ask this because I know someone will, will say, "Was that a no?" Or is that? A no? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to completely rule it out with the no. Um, yeah, but so it's a not we'll now. Not now. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. All right. There we go. Asked and answered. We're going to smash all these if we go at this speed. Um, <laughs> I. One of the big things, and I appreciate you may not be able to tell us this because ultimately it's it may not be something that you, you upper deck wants wants to talk about but um what there's often speculation about the percentage of a physical product that may be held back for epac release um and i'm guessing that that may change from product to product but but is there kind of a, a benchmark or a yardstick for that is it is it fixed is it, can you even tell us what it might be i don't know don't know I don't think there's any particular like benchmark. This you know this percentage has to be EPAC and this has to be physical. I think it really depends on on the the product or the property in general. So uh, that's not really something we'd ever you know disclose. Like this percent went to EPAC and this went to Hobby, yeah. but um, it does vary from product to product, as you've yeah. probably noticed with with different products on the site. Sure. Um, would it be fair? Because uh, someone asked this, and I thought it was an interesting question. Obviously, given the market change and the fact that EPAC, I'm guessing from what you've told us, has has seen a successful increase in the proportion of product that you're moving through it, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think you know we've had a a, a great uh, growth in the collector base and and you know the amount of products that we've got on EPAC for for Marvel and entertainment. So it's safe to say that that's definitely growing on the site. Good, good, good. So has the proportion that's held for EPAC increased at all? Generally, wow. Would you say? That's smooth, Ian. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, obviously, we've, we've, we've locked down. We're still being closed. You know, it would make sense 
for you to, you know, with everyone and his mum embracing e-commerce suddenly because they had to, it would make sense to increase that proportion, I guess, from a business perspective, purely regardless of whether yeah. it's Marvel or Pocky or anything else. Wasting all of our money. <laughs> you know what? That might be one of the areas that I, I uh, not a liberty to touch upon. But fair enough. Fair um, enough. I have to ask. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. No problem at all. Um, good good we need a code word we need a code word <laughs> when you can't talk about something well um, i did have a, a part b to one of your questions go um so and this hopefully this is not something you can't talk about fine you know obviously but for epac achievements right especially ones that are not hard numbered Right. Like, let's say the Flare Ultra Spider-Man, you know, what I mean, like for a rainbow exclusive or any one of the cards that are achievable through combination or whatever the case may be that are not hard number and then particularly ran run out those cards, because I'm assuming that you print so many before you make the achievement because on assumptions of mathematically what can be done. Right. For the ones that are never claimed and then the product sells out on EPAC, those extra achievement cards. I'm assuming are destroyed so they're not entered into hobbies collections because of you know them selling out already and there's no way to achieve them because there are some cards that are printed that you can only get through an epac system but once the product sells out and no one has them able to get in their collections you know what happens to those extra achievement cards that could never be claimed again once it sells out on epac uh, yeah, those will just be stored at ComC for eternity. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think <laughs> there's a lost arc. Yeah, um, I don't think there's really. You know, again, that might be one of the ones I'll have to, to take a look at. But um, I don't think there's any particular, you know, messaging on where these are created or or what's done with those cards. Um, you know, generally, if if we put out an achievement and it's not limited. There's enough cards to satisfy everyone at completing said achievement. Got it. Very cool. Okay. Because interesting. And, and actually, on a flip side to that, I do know that some products are still live on the site. And yet, for whatever reason, there's, there's, no, there's been no announced limit to the number of the achievements. And they're not numbered achievements. But at a certain point, they just become unavailable for redemption after a certain point do you know if is it something contractual or legal in in the set creation or is it something else that determines that they stop being available for the mo more recent products there shouldn't be any you know any point at which they shut off basically if we put an achievement out a stacking parallel achievement mm -hmm. that it's going to be you know existent and available for for all of time so if you you know, if you're still working on Fleer Ultra Spider-Man, you want to combine your base set cards, that's still going to be available. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, for three or four years down the road since that's been released. But that, that'll always be an opportunity unless, like I said, if there's a limit that's stated on the achievements page, so this is, you know, limited yeah. out of 100, and now there's, you know, six yeah. copies left. And, yeah. and once those are gone, it's Yeah, it's, it's good that the numbering's there on those, actually, yeah, which is great. And obviously on the MCU, yeah, Black Diamond, people knew there were only five of something, you know, and that's hard numbered. Um, now, I was thinking of things like uh, Marvel Annual 2016 and 2017, some of the patch achievements have now, you can't get them. And, you know, I, I was still, I was getting close on 2017. And so suddenly it's like, oh, I can't actually get it now. 
you know, I have to kind of resort to the secondary market. And that's quite frustrating for me because I'm, you know, it's still available to buy. Um, that was kind of the example I, I, I was going for there. Um, so I wonder what happens to them. Maybe you ran out of achievements. Don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happened to those Marvel annual patches? They're somewhere. They're somewhere. Someone's got them. I'll find them. I'll track them down. Okay. Um, what's the... Um, I had... This wasn't asked on the questions, actually, but I'm going to ask this one. What, and you might not be in control of this. It might be more of a marketing thing. But what's the... I've always had a frustration with what's the, what's the reasoning behind such a short notice and lead time of announcement that a product's being released on EPAC? It's just, uh, I think, mostly an uncertainty of exactly when it's going to release. Uh, we don't want to, you know, put out a date and then, you know, find out after COMC scanning and processing all the cards, us internally testing it, that we're not going to be able to hit the date that we've, sure. we've mentioned that just fluctuates so often that, you know, we can't really confirm the exact release date for a mm-hmm. product until pretty close to when it's actually going to release. Yeah. Um, I'm think. I guess I'm thinking not in terms of a long-term announcement of date. I'm thinking of maybe a little bit more than 48 hours because you would think you would know within maybe a week that you're going to be pushing it out at a certain point because you need to scale up and you know get people ready in different parts of the business. So um, Black Diamond, no one got notice. It just appeared. Yeah, it was a, a surprise release to say to say the least. Yeah, and now we're all poor. And it's, it's your fault, <laughs> young man. Yeah, you can, you can blame me for that one. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. People loved it. People loved it. What it, What's it like? I mean, it, we, we asked Mike Phillips this, and um, his his answer was quite interesting. Um, it must be bonkers to, for you guys to – because obviously you must be monitoring the numbers when you put something on sale. And something, something that sells in four days, it must be like crazy to watch that happening. It was absolutely insane, yeah. I think I had – you know, text with with Ben, who's my boss, and and you know works on the EPAC and e-commerce side as well. Texting Grant, kind of going back and forth, looking at what it sold so far, and um, it was absolutely insane. I, I knew that would be a popular product, having tested through it and seen some of the cards that were going to be included, and obviously seeing the demand that um, the hobby side had for that product. So we knew it was going to be a monster, and. It, it exceeded expectations. Um, I think that was it was a lot of fun to track, but yeah, it was just crazy to see that go so quickly. And um, I, I just think there was a lot of value, a lot of you know amazing cards in that product that you know all together made it just you know incredible for the collectors. And and obviously it resulted in you know the fastest sellout that I can can think of on EPAC. Yeah, I think it was it was it was faster than Masterpieces 2020, and that was fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's exactly what it was. I yeah, think it, I think it was maybe a day or less. Eighteen. Yeah, I worked out. No, um, no, twenty twenty. I mean, because I, mean, I think I did. I did some clown mass. Uh, Matt Rogers used to call it um, <laughs> on on Black Diamond, and I worked it out. It was four days and a few hours, I think, or something crazy like that. But I think Masterpieces twenty twenty was was almost five days. So I think it was just it wasn't much different, but um, such a beast. But yeah, it's it's bonkers, and you think about the amount of product that because you know I do refresh it, and I see the amount of product that's appearing in the first 15, yeah. 20, 30 minutes, and it's like 
who are these people that spend that? Well, amount we of know money? some of them for sure. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. They're definitely they're definitely around having a good time. It's always fun though. It's it's kind of <clears throat> hilarious to think about Upper Deck and us. All of us are both tracking of like it's happening because always the night before, all of us collectors are like texting each other like, dude, it's gonna happen tonight. It's happening tonight. Everything's gone. And you just seen the number go down, 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 down. Oh, especially when it drops below ninety nine. Oh, it's so much fun. It's a prime example. That was Spider-Man had been on there forever. Forever. And, you know, it was having a resurgence. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna say it, Norin. I think we're responsible for relighting that fire. Because we oh, did those episodes and I'm it did start lifting. All. It, it was of sudden, us. all of a sudden everyone was talking about it. Um so just keep so, that in mind. Write that down yeah. for them. Just let yeah. them know it was Norn and Ian who was responsible for throwing Jason that out. Just yeah, I'm taking notes yeah. right now. I'll Thank you, brother. Um and um um, but um, but when that was, it was starting to go, and people were speculating. People were speculating, and yeah. then PMGs were starting to go crazy. And you know, 2020 was being 2020 in terms of the hobby, which, uh-huh. which must be bonkers for you guys to see in the That's overall insane. in the overall stats. It must be absolutely crazy to see the effect of what's happened in the last year and how Marvel's like breaking through the scene fast. Yeah, hundred percent. That was that was one that was a little surprising, just because you know Fleer Ultra Spider Man was a twenty seventeen product, and mm. all of a sudden, you know that's it's flying off the shelves on EPAC, and that's all people yeah. are talking about. And uh, yeah. like, I think the the craziest thing was to watch those hundred stack parallels, which weren't talked about quite as much early on. Everybody was chasing some of the bigger cards, and all of a sudden, those gained steam. And I think the Venom card in particular drew the yes. most attention and everybody yeah. was was kind of uh you know freaking out about that card so it was it was pretty wild to see but i think that was a great product and you know it was one of the first ones i got to work at or work with at upper deck so it was exciting to oh, see nice. all the interest in it it is That's such a good cool. product it's such a it good was fun product. it was really fun i'm excited yeah. for the for for future Flare ultra stuff if it happens i think it'd be a it'd be a real a real treat man i'm excited to see have, have that whole experience again you know it's just fun art fun set fun fun setup Flare ultra i love Flare ultra anyway Me too. um but yeah that black cat web foil i mean i finally got it i don't have it in hand yet it's sitting in your warehouse up in <laughs> uh, you still but, don't uh, have that shipped to you no i haven't had anything shipped to me because i've been paying off <laughs> credit oh, card, but, yeah you're sorry and, you're and on black diamond and, yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. yeah you're but, rocking uh, it but yeah i am I'm, I'm rather than spend it on shipping i'm spending it on something else um so um Someone, well, before we move on from the announcement question, I just wanted to ask, someone had a really good point, and I've made crib notes, but you know what, I'm going to have to go back and read what they actually said, because it was a really, really good idea. Um, someone asked, if at announcement time, so if it stays at 48 hours, because it's often about 48 hours before the product, unless it's like hockey or game-dated moments or something, where it's a much quicker drop, Um Someone actually asked, and I'm trying to scroll down to it through all the app questions here. Um, could you tell people at that time that you announce it a little bit more about the, the the kind of redemptions and the achievements so they've got a little bit more time to plan how they're going to attack it? Because often that only happens once the product is live on the site and then all of a sudden there's going to be a very fast learning curve. Right. No, that's good feedback. That's one of the questions I saw in there. So. Uh, you know, as I think we were talking about earlier, anytime we've got, you know, feedback from collectors about that, we try to incorporate it and, you know, put it in place where we can. The other 
related question that I saw in there was, you know, publishing the checklist beforehand because yes. you know, there are some differences between what's sometimes there are some different differences between the hobby checklist and the EPAC checklist. So, you know, another another item for consideration I thought was uh, you know, a good point from from somebody in the group. That was from James Edel or Edel, um, who's a very nice man. I've traded with him. Um, so, so thank you, James. Um, one, one of the interesting things about that, he said, you know, can the product checklist be made live to coincide with product announcements? So your wish list can be built prior to the on sale date. But I don't think you can actually add something to your wish list unless it physically appears in the trading marketplace. I don't think you can do that unless I'm wrong. There, um, there is a way I can give you a little pro tip and uh, oh. share it with everyone. So if you go to your collection, yeah. Obviously, it's only going to show you the items that you own. Um, there is a filter for items you own, and you can click the X to clear that, and it'll show you basically all the items within that filter. So let's say um, Black Diamond's a great example. I'm looking at that product. I want to add some items to my checklist, and some may be locked or you know haven't been pulled yet, so they don't show up in the marketplace. I can go into my collection, filter for Black Diamond, and then clear the uh, you know, only items I own filter and and then you'll be able to see everything within that product oh, for whatever you, you filter for. And then right, you can add okay. it to your wish list from there. Yeah, exactly. Right. There we go. Oh, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. We're going to have regular Daniel's tips on EPAC. <laughs> Feel it in my water. Um, do um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is exciting. Um, the, I'm going to go through the wish list. I think these are going to be quick fire ones now, hopefully. Uh, it may, maybe you'll go, go into it on some of them. Um, one person raised the prospect of serial numbers being added to the actual um, the physical text rather than it just being in the photo because the scans sometimes don't pick them up too well, especially with the foiling. I saw that one. That's that's a good point. Um, I think that really depends on how ComC processes everything, uh, but definitely one we've looked at and something where it's in the, the think tank considerations. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> think tank considerations. The next one's going to be a lot more difficult, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Sketch characters. <laughs> being added now this is a you wouldn't believe the number of times we have posts in groups saying um who is this character which which is fine which is one thing and i get that might be subjective to do with artistic interpretation of a particular character um but also for us who are character collectors less so knowing because his character is currently on the bench what the but, but, what are we what is that <laughs> that was a personal attack <laughs> Ah, I love it. Always, always gets a rise. Um, but, you know, for Black Cat, you know, I have to scroll through thousands of different sketches. Oh, um, poor, Ian, love... poor Ian having listen, to search for Black Cat. Listen, Where? just because you can't search for yours because he's, 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 he's out the back somewhere. When he's back, you'll feel this pain. You'll feel this pain. Trust me. That's true. No, uh, it's painful, man. I mean, yeah, 100%. I think it'd be awesome to search for characters. Yeah. I know you have to search by artist now. Um, yeah. And like sketch categories and all that kind of good stuff. But I mean, I I, 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 <laughs> I can imagine some poor person who doesn't really understand Marvel characters and is like, okay, <laughs> is this <laughs> Iceman yeah. or Silver Surfer? I can't figure this crap out, these <laughs> kids. You know what I mean? So I could definitely understand where the difficulty happens there but um yeah i think that that would be a really cool feature to be able to search by character for sure yeah that is one that we've 
heard plenty of times since sketch cards have been on EPAC and I think it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse to have the sketches on EPAC because it makes it so much easier one to see all of them in one place. Yeah. Um, that you just never really had that ability before if, if people were only opening in hobby. And so um, you've got all this visibility now. And and like you're saying, it's you know, how can we make it more filterable and easier to find, you know, for the artists or for the artist collectors, you know, I want to find my, my Freddie and sketches. And then for the black cat collectors, how do I get my black cat sketches? So um, it's it's been talked about a lot. We've We've tried to come up with, you know, the best way to, to include that and we've had good suggestions it just it's so complex with the number of characters and the art and determining which character um you know is on the cards it it can be you know one a very time extensive process to go through mm-hmm. and pick all those and and even so sometimes it may not perfectly fit like where you've got a sketch of spider-man but then you got a sketch with spider-man thor hulk you know the avengers yeah, the list, a lot yeah, of different list, tabs yeah. But Ballard sketch that's got like thirty characters. Yeah, <laughs> all those faces. <laughs> yeah, some of those uh, 2017 Marvel annual achievement sketches he did were pretty incredible, like that. Beautiful. But uh, I will say where we can, and I think you'll you've seen it more now with um, 1920 Marvel annual had the um, the battle booklets, and then Black Diamond had the exquisite checklist that was split out by both artists and characters, that's so right. there was a little more visibility. So. We're definitely trying to incorporate that as much as we can. And in those instances, it's a lot easier because you know we're providing the sketch cards with the character name on it. So yeah. uh, we'd hope that whatever character is listed on the front of the cards, the, the character that ends up getting sketched <laughs> so we can we can track it that way. But, it would hurt, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's been considered. That's that's one we hear a lot. And it's it's definitely not something we're, we're ignoring or, um, mm-hmm. you know, just putting in the in the back it's it's something that's you know talked about pretty often when we're we're talking about you know what's the next thing we're going to bring in or what's yeah, one of the next things we're going to add to the site that's that's usually considered yeah good no it's interesting the workarounds you have found with the printed stock like marvel 80 have had it and um premier had it on a number of sets premier yeah yeah that's right so, yeah so yeah that's interesting um yeah one um, person has asked if, and this is this should this hopefully could be a fairly quick win, but I've been offloading some some sets in trades recently, and a select all button because you can do transfer or you can do unlock all, but you can't do select all, which would save so much clicks. <laughs> yeah, carpal tunnel over here. <laughs> like I I don't mean to complain, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if there was something like that added to the site, you know, sometime in the near future. Yes, we have a win, people. We have a win. A win. Um, um, and I think might be in the same person actually. Um, uh, the option to resend an expired trade without needing to recreate it or a recreate button a without needing one. to do it, uh, which I actually quite like, although I, I can see that if you did it, you maybe would have a limit of only doing it a certain number of times because yeah, otherwise it could become get kind of stupidly annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that'd be pretty cool, like a, a Lazarus button. For a Lazarus button. button. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. That's yeah, I might, have to, I might have to steal that. I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is another one that we've talked about quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously, with, there's... 
you know, a good and bad side of being able to send more trades. And, um, you know, one, you want to be able to send as many out as you can. And the other side is you don't want to receive a bunch of spam trades. It's like going through the forums, no blanks, no blanks. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's a struggle. So, um, that one definitely, you know, talked about quite a bit and, you know, something, again, I wouldn't be too surprised if that made it onto the site, um, at some point. Look at this. We're, we're, we're two for two, Noren. This is good. Well, two for eight or whatever it is. Um, but but I'm, I'll take it. Thank you very much. Um, there's one of, the th- one of the things. I really like this idea. Um, obviously, at the moment, if you lock a card, it disappears from the marketplace. Um, and if, if it was James again, um, suggested, you know, is it possible that the card could still be visible, but with no connection whatsoever to who owns it and with no ability to get it? So you could kind of see the full kind of shop window, if you like. That's nice. Um, and I don't know if that's even possible. And obviously, I guess it would it would make sense for things like sketches. But I'm not sure it makes sense for thousands of base cards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, it sounds like a pretty hefty privacy feature. Um, yeah. yeah. I, well, there was something that I want to ask. Um, and I feel terrible that all of these are kind of like, here's how things can be done for you. Cause I, I'm sure that's, that's exhausting at this point, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, which I feel bad about, but you know, I think it's because so many people are really excited about EPAC and so many people do use it. Like you have no idea how much your work and everybody in your team <laughs> has made our lives easier because, you know, especially for Marvel card collectors, like we all know it's impossible to find them out in the wild. And we are all so far from each other because, you know, it's still relatively small that EPAC is, you know, kind of given us a, a different second life as you could say. But one thing I was going to ask was, you know, a lot of these cards have, very interesting effects and foils and textures to them Mm. and having and it's not for every card but like if you had like a video showcase of every type of insert not every card just one of every insert just like a like a visual feature where you can see the shine you know what i mean because i think so many people like you know not to keep talking about flare ultra it's just the one that's in my head the patterned foil for those PMGs, that EPAC exclusive, those are so much nicer than people know. The silver ones, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. being able to see some of those effects because the scans are just impossible to see some of those things. You know what I mean? They get dark. Like even the rainbow foils that were EPAC exclusive, you know what I mean? Some of those were just really hard to understand. Some black almost, some of them don't. Yeah, they? some of, the, of them. Because of the way that the light of a scan And they have to be works. scanned it, and it's, you know. yeah, it's like a mountain of cars to scan. Totally understood, understandable. But I definitely think it's always fun for us, especially cars we can't get in hand until much later, to be able just to see the effects of them i think a lot of people would chase them to be honest harder because that's kind of what happened with spider-man we were doing the rainbow stuff and people were like whoa wait a minute <laughs> those actually look really good <laughs> and we were like wait a second what is this and you know they kind of started that resurgence so i do think having some of that video content would be interesting for collectors bogs down a site but i'm sure it'd be interesting to see you know what i mean yeah that's that's a great suggestion and i think you know anything we can do to make the cards you know, one look better and, you know, give collectors a better, um, 
perspective or idea of what those cards are going to look like in hand that i think that's that's our main goal you know we've worked with com c a lot obviously it's difficult to to capture some of the brilliance of these cards especially with the crazy technologies or you know the the bright shining lights to to really you know capture all that in a single scan we've shifted to photos for certain cards just to you know the scans don't do them justice so we'll do more of a you know, an actual f- photograph of the card to to bring out some of that light. Um, but yeah, I do think, you know, where we can show that off, whether it's, you know, maybe it's a separate marketing video with, uh, with um, you know, the, the videos of the cards and everything. I think that's a great idea. And again, for us, you know, we love to hear the feedback from, from collectors, from you guys too. Like, it's great. I, I think it's rewarding for us because it shows people care and they want to improve it. And, you know, they're really enjoying and using the site which is exactly what we want to see so anytime you know you guys have feedback anyone that's listening has feedback you know feel free to to send it through uh, you know send us an email send us a contact us message to say hey i have this idea for the site um you know we go through those pretty regularly add add those to our kind of development queue to make sure that we're continually continually improving the site and bringing in new features um I think that's a huge hallmark of you know, one keeping the site fresh. But at the end of the day, you know, my my job and my hope is to provide the best collecting experience available. So uh, yeah, I love hearing the feedback and the suggestions, and um, even if it's something we've heard, you know, a bunch of times, it's good to to hear it again just to to hit yeah. home. You know, how yeah. many people really want to see a certain a certain feature added. So you know, we we do our best to include what we can. Obviously, I wish we could you know, incorporate everything in in a few days but it, it takes some time for us to get through it and and develop and test it and make sure it all works properly so um you know we're, we're doing what we can to to get that out there to you guys and and make uh you know make it the best site we can well it's appreciated i mean you know I mean, very it's, much appreciate I mean, apologies if you have heard some of these before it's just nice to you know it's 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 i tell you what is good is that we um there, are, there is an awful lot of content out there for kind of sports and hockey. There's, you know, throw a rock and you'll hit a hobby podcast that's focused on hockey or sports. You know, yeah. um, there aren't many on there uh, for, for Marvel. So um, we we know that guys from Upper Deck go and talk on those a lot. You know, Chris Carlin's on there a lot. Mike Phillips I've seen out there a lot, you know, um, which is why we like to, you know, in our own small way, just just kind of, you know, feed that back into the Marvel side of the hobby because, you know, some collectors cross the streams and they, you know, they delve into the sports stuff, but some of them don't, you know, some of them are very focused and very Marvel. That's it. So they don't hear what, (laughs) you know, you guys might be saying to the sports side of the hobby. So, you know, that's why we often re-ask questions a a little bit. Um, I I really like this one and I've, I've thought about this myself, actually. I, um, I have a feeling it will probably be really difficult to do, but at the moment we know that when you go from EPAC to Comsi in terms of transferring cards, it's a one-way street. Is that ever likely to be possible to reverse course and move them the other way? Yeah, it's like the uh, the multiverse, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one that comes up a lot. Uh, I think. In theory, it's a great idea. It just provides or creates a lot of different complexities. So mm-hmm. I think for now, I can say it's a not now, but I, I wouldn't completely rule it out for the okay. future. 
Cool. Someone said actually they would pay for this service. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Now there's That's an idea. Great. Just off the top of my head, an EPAC premium with extra features. <laughs> That's a subscription model. <laughs> I just heard the cry of a thousand collectors out there. No. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, folks. Yeah. They'll throw right their phones out the window. Um, I'm sure you've thought about that as well because you're very, 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 very clever people. Um, <laughs> There is another really good question on here. Can I find it? Can I not? Obviously, you know, some people have touched on, obviously, this may be outside of your control to, to an extent. Obviously, Comsi have had a lot of challenges um, with, you know, the, the virus and, you know, the ability to have so many people in a, in a space. And then I, I believe they restaffed and possibly relocated some stuff early this year, kind of March, April seems to be a dark time for the rebellion for a lot of people. A dark um, time for in the terms of the, Well, in terms of orders, I think a lot of people are still, still waiting orders for that period. But um, so obviously I know, I know there's challenges with that, but um, an, a number of people have, have raised the prospect of, um, you know, it costs a lot to ship a lot of cards. You know, the physical weight is, is just quite a bit. Um, so you're never going to get around that because you're in the hands of the you know U.S. Postal Service primarily, and then you know wherever it goes from there afterwards. But in terms of those people who are you know the cost before you get to the actual amount it takes to ship it, someone raised a very good point. If they're bulk shipping like big sets, and there are some pretty big sets on there that people might physically want to export, um, is there a possible consideration of an economy of by scale model? for those bigger collectors just to help out with that, that physical cost. Cause it is, it is a, it is a gate it is a, you know, a, a bit of a closed door for me with the amount of stuff I've got on there. Yeah. That, again, that's, that's a good question. Something you know, brought up pretty frequently, the ComC shipments and shipment costs, um, you know, obviously that's handled by them. So I can't, mm. you know, I guess touch upon options like that, but I can say, you know, looking at, the last year and a half for, for us and for ComC in particular, it's been pretty difficult, you know, as you mentioned, one with all the the COVID restrictions and, and complications, you know, created by that, it was difficult for them to to get enough employees in the office to or in the warehouse to really fulfill all the orders. And that was from the beginning. And you know, as everybody's noticed since COVID, the resurgence in trading cards just you know, created a ton of demand and a ton of perfect orders. Storm. So it was, it was really a perfect storm. And, um, you know, it was, it was difficult. And, and obviously you can understand how frustrating it is as a customer waiting on your, your order for that long. But what I can say is, you know, ComC has worked with us, you know, every step of the way. And we've, you know, checked in with them pretty frequently just to, to see what we could do to make it a better experience. And especially recently, they've done a lot. Uh, one, to hire more staff and, um, a lot of that's been on the customer service side too, to try and um, you know work with customers, see where orders had been you know delayed or you know got got behind in the queue. So they've you know one done a lot better to get caught up to you know a, a normal kind of shipping and handling schedule, and then uh, you know brought in a ton of help to to answer questions and you know make sure that you know, if somebody has an issue that it's not being um, you know left unread or unseen. So. Uh, it was difficult, like you said. The perfect storm is is exactly what happened with Comseed. But um, you know, I think if you look at it, they, we were the first on EPAC, like direct EPAC shipments were the first to get top loaders back when when uh, they had the shortage. So 
Uh, they definitely wanted to help our, our EPAC uh, customer base first and, um, you know, continue to improve it. So I think if there are any issues, you know, if somebody's listening in and has a shipment that's delayed and they want, or they want more information on it, you, know, you can always contact us. We're happy to help either look into the, the order for you or work with ComC to make sure that that, um, you know, gets out as soon as possible. So uh, I'll say that much for, you know, ComC and, and some of the, the difficulties that we faced sure. in the last year. But um, in terms of the bulk shipping option, that's, you know, something that's been talked about as well, something that, you know, we'll, we'll work with ComC on. Um, I think the one, the one factor of the shipment, uh, you know, portion is most of that, or that 25 cent fee is basically the handling fee for somebody to go pull your individual card and, and add it to the shipment. Um, I think when you, you really conceptualize how many cards you've got in a warehouse and you know, how many different cards you can pull together for an EPAC shipment, it, it takes a lot of um, you know effort to put that shipment together so that you know it's not just you know oh the 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 postage cost was this much and but my you know my shipment charge is much more it's uh it's pretty complex to uh, what all goes in there so mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't i don't want to make it sound like we haven't heard the uh the, the requests about you know improving shipments and and costs that's something that you know we're actively working on to improve for everybody yeah I mean, to his, to his credit, I'm I'm going to give a special shout out to one of your colleagues, James Hughes, who is in the groups. And when we right, tag sir. him, he always says, "Right, email me." And he's he's kind of stepped up on that point. So, hats off to James and his colleagues on that one. Um, I know it's been enormously appreciated by the community. And actually, I, I forgot to mention this when we recorded the other day, Noreen, um, because she's just left. Can I just give a, a, a little shout out while, while Daniel has a libation there um, uh, uh, to Angelica Gao? Yeah, who was a uh, community coordinator at Upper who left mere two days ago as we record, yeah. um, who 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 made a very big impact in a very short space of time in the community by just being visible, listening to feedback, doing focus groups. And um, yeah, she, 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 she was and remains great and will be very sorely missed. So mm-hmm. um, Angelica. Can I just say on behalf of all of us um, in MMC and MCCW and the podcast and all of our listeners, thank you for everything that you've done. Um, and whoever is stepping into your shoes um, will um, probably be terrified as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as they step into the group. <laughs> so there you, there you go, Daniel. There's a, there's a little side gig for you. While, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's going and shaking his head. Um, but um, I, someone actually asked this, and I, I know the answer to this, but it could be a little kind of a, another of Daniel's tips. Um, I'd only like to get marketing emails from Marvel instead of everything they offer like game-dated moments emails go straight into the trash. Daniel, walk us through what, what someone needs to do to uh, to be able to select their preferences. Wow, that's, uh, I feel bad for our game-dated moments program now. No, uh, <laughs> no we understand that uh, you know not everybody wants to hear about different genres on EPAC. I think it's, it's great for some people to have all that offered, and it, it allows for a lot of great cross-trading and you know, opportunities you wouldn't normally have uh, anywhere but EPAC, usually like on the other apps, it's all limited to a single license or a single genre. So you don't get the opportunity to send out, you know, a Marvel card 
trade for you know something from hockey or something from Goodwin. Like there's pretty endless opportunities there, but we do understand you know some people only collect Marvel, only collect you know Overwatch League or hockey. So if you go into the settings page, there's actually a list of sliders where you can turn on and off email notifications for all of the different genres. So it's all based on different lists. So if you turn one of those off, you won't uh, receive any emails for that for that specific genre. So um, we actually just had a notice go out, at least when this is being recorded, I think yesterday for golf being added as a genre. So you can oh, wow. now opt into golf as one of the genres if you're interested in those types of products. So um, as easy as it is to opt in, you can also opt out if you're not interested in a particular genre. Yeah. Um, and the way you do that, because I've just done it now, you go um, onto the top right, you'll see your logo for you. Um, you'll see a little menu with account, shipping and billing. If you go to account, third one down is settings, and it's it's at the top of that page. Send me special offers, and it has um, a number of on-off tick boxes for miscellaneous Marvel, hockey, entertainment, golf. I can see at the bottom. Look at that. Brilliant. Disney, esports, football, basketball, latest songs being played in the Upper Deck Canteen. Oh, you name it. <laughs> Yeah, they're there. So, so, um, so Emily, who asked that, that you can go in there and actually select. It's a preference center ultimately um, for for what you want to get. So, um, so yeah, you can choose what you do and don't want to hear about. Um, um, I think you know what I think we we've, we've broken the back of these. I just got a couple more, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of move away from the question slightly. Um, someone's just asked a really good question that hadn't been asked when we started recording, which is the brilliance of live social media interaction. Um, I'd really like to know if the EPAC cards are put into penny sleeves by hand or as part of an automated packaging process. <laughs> and that that might be more of a comsy thing, but I get where they're coming from because obviously there's a there's a, a, a how would she a sensitivity to condition um, uh, from some areas of the hobby? I don't even know if you know the answer to that right. question, but yeah, I, I have a feeling I know the answer, but I don't want to give anyone the wrong idea. So that's okay. That's a good question for Comsi. Um, I'd right. imagine, however, they handle the rest of their cards, they're doing the same thing for EPAC. So okay, uh, right. yeah, it's an interesting question if they've got. Ultron like machines going through all the vinyls and pulling, I don't know. pulling it cards. Would, <laughs> it, it would it would be really nice to know. I mean, we'd love to speak to them, but they kind I've of spent five they, years sleeving yeah. cards, and now I hate all of the human race. Like I can <laughs> yeah. see that happening. I can it's see that driving an AI program shooting. crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, I can, yeah, see, I can the... see the insanity. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call it going postal anymore. They call it going comedy. Um, <laughs> that went dark. Sorry. Um, let me move on from that very quickly. Um, you know what? I think most of those questions, you've been an absolute trooper, Daniel, because um, <laughs> I don't think we expected to get that much um, uh, feedback from there. But I think pretty much all of the stuff that people have asked, we've touched on, which is great. Um, do you um, – so let's kind of move back. You know, what's – What's the future for EPAC for you? What what can you talk about? You know, where 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 would you like to see it go? It's like a job interview. Where would you see your career in five years' time? <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, it, what it, in the ideal world for you, if you could if you could visualize EPAC version three point right now, what would it be? Yeah, it's, it's giving me flashbacks of interviewing with Grant five years ago. What's where do you see yourself <laughs> in five years? Right now, uh, I'm really excited with the path that EPAC's been on um, in terms of, you know, especially from 
a product offering what you see now as compared to five years ago. There's so many more products, so many different genres. So I think as EPAC continues to grow and, and even Upper Deck as a whole continues to grow, we're going to be offering uh, you know, new licenses, new properties. So you'll just see a multitude of, of content on EPAC, which I'm really excited for. Um, I think you know in the future you'll see a lot of different types of products too, not just the core products where it's you know pack boxes and cases with black diamond and ages and um, you know those types of products. You're going to see more. Um, you know maybe if if you're tracking like the the premier prospects basketball set, some more of those kind of you know, quick releases that um, you know don't quite fit the you know core hobby release type on EPAC. Um, so, you know, just an expansion of those offerings, uh, you know, the new licenses and then a, a continued improvement of the of the site interface as a whole. Mm. You know, I don't think we're ever going to be satisfied with what's available on EPAC. We want to continue to make it better and, uh, you know, improve features, add new features, you know, add new abilities on the site that weren't there before. Mm. So, um, you know, as as time goes on, I think, you know, EPAC's only going to grow. It's going to be. Uh, more user friendly it's going to become you know a, a, a much more diverse offering for everybody and i think my goal is to to have something going out pretty much every day of the week whether that's a release or um you know new achievements um you know weekly packs you know pack wars we got the leaderboards that have been going on for annual you know expanding that as well so um just just giving collectors more opportunities on on the site in general cool I love it. I love it. Um, uh, so exciting. Daniel, I always ask Upper Deck employees a certain set of questions. Um, so I'm just going to quickly fire them off at you now. Avengers or X-Men? I, I'll point back to uh, behind ah, that's me. What's yeah. up. <laughs> Brilliant. No, I love that's it. what's up. Definitely an X-Men fan. I mean, nothing against the Avengers. I just grew up with the X-Men. I think starting with the, the cartoon was the first exposure to the x-men but uh finally got to rewatch that again about a year ago that was pretty awesome but yeah big x-men fan that was probably the only comic series i subscribed to when i was younger was uncanny x-men um cable's my favorite marvel character by far so that's um, a good one big big x-men guy that's cool. cool i love it um have you had a trading card made of you I haven't, other than the ones that we do at like the you know, NHL draft or um, you know events like that, you can get your own card created. I've got a few of those, but uh, I haven't been featured in any of the legendary games like some of the other uh, ones. Uh, uh, you're being <laughs> robbed, man. You're being robbed. <laughs> with HR. We, 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 we spoke. We spoke to your colleagues, and I said, "Don't tell Daniel we do this. Don't tell him. Don't tell him." Oh, I would have loved to have seen what you'd have been in that legendary set. Some of them are I, It's still possible, man. It's still possible. Yeah. One day, we'll see. Yeah, you have to put in a good word with that team. See if you they need, can get you me need to there. have a word. You need to have a word. Right. I'm sending okay. a strongly written an email. Now, I, I don't I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Jason listens to us. So, Jason, Jason, listen to me. Daniel's worked hard for <laughs> listen you. Listen to me. He's taken, he's taken EPAC to places that, quite frankly, none of us thought it would go. Um, and you probably look down the chain and you probably think it's his boss that gets the credit. No, it's Daniel. <laughs> so, so hook him up hook him up a little bit of a bump a little bit of a hamper at christmas and get him on a legendary trading card go on do it for us do it for us jay 
you're a diamond. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I call him Jay. I call him Jay. He loves it. He loves it. It drives him wild. Um, I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> uh, what, what are we talking about again? <laughs> um, you know what? I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of spent. You know, all the questions I'd written down, all the collector questions. I mean, there were some that are much more kind of product focused. That you know, we could pitch at you, but you'll be like, well, you know, it's a product thing. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, is there anything? You know, I I always like to ask this to people. Is there anything you want to ask us? I mean, we've just been grilling you, but you know, do you want to do you want to ask us anything about the, the second part of the interview? Or we turn the tables, right? Do you have any exactly, questions yeah. for us? Yeah, Grant, Grant Gage <laughs> yeah. came on air, so you know, this is the Grant Sangram playbook of interviewing someone. No, I think I appreciate all the questions. It's been really fun. Um, again, super excited to be on, and, and thank you guys uh, for having me on. Oh. Um, more than welcome. Thank you for making time out of your busy <laughs> schedule. Um, can I ask? Can I add an additional wish list feature? Actually, um, because uh, because this is actually quite a good one. It, can there be an option to get emails if someone sends you a direct message? A direct message. That's an interesting option. Because yeah, you, unless you're logged into the site, you don't see it. Have to think about that one. That's at, at first glance, it seems like a, a pretty solid addition. Off the yeah. They think through a few, unless yeah. you start getting spammed by. Uh, well, that's the thing. It'd be, it'd yeah. be an on-off toggle button kind of thing, you know, one of those things. <laughs> so, um, but it would be really useful because you know some of the more standard format forums like Blowout mm. and other places like Scoundrel, you know, it's a fairly standard thing. And I appreciate that Upper Deck isn't that, uh, EPAC isn't that, but um, it would be it would be most handy. Um, Personally speaking, but you know, personally other people might I like it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, I might never get a chance to ask this again. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with ask, you. I'm, I'm with ask, you. I'm with you. I'm I, asking. I would have had more questions unless people on the group weren't so good at what they did. They asked all the right questions. I was like, all right, here we go. To be honest with you, I, I have one more. Sorry, I put one more on the list. This is a personal one, so no one in the group. I love the checklists on EPAC, okay? But I, I often find that I might have already collected some of the product before EPAC goes live with it and it's on there. What I would love is the option for that checklist for me to be able to check that I have a card if it's not on EPAC. Does that make sense? So it can be yeah. my go-to source for my checklist. Interesting, yeah. Because I've got some Black Diamond on ComC. Because I bought it off there, but I haven't got it on EPAC, so I want to be able to tick in one place rather than notes on my iPhone, where you know that I own the card. It yeah, keeps coming that. back to the EPAC, site. like something in your dashboard that says "my collection," mm. like my, not my collection, but my checklist, and then you have like personalized checklists. That's really cool. I love that. That's cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Ties in with the. Uh... Obviously, the physical aspect of it, you might have cards already. So I like that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the best best workaround I can think of for you right now is, is the wish list and, and taking those off as you get them. But mm. it, in terms of which if I you're, do, but, you know, it's not it's a, a little more view. difficult. Yeah, yeah. Not a single collection view kind of thing, um, as opposed to a single customer view, which those in marketing will be very familiar with. Um, <laughs> Daniel, you've been absolutely great. Thank you. Um, hopefully it's not too hopefully you're not too kind of sweaty under the armpits from, from <laughs> being grilled by these seasoned um, interrogators here uh, but, but seriously thank you for making the time to speak to us you know we, we appreciate thank you, you know, so much you're man. kind of behind the scenes and you're probably not you know maybe accustomed to coming on things like this so you know we appreciate you making the time 
No, my pleasure. It's been great. And, you know, I appreciate all the questions and all the feedback. Uh, we, you know, we, we work off that and that it keeps me busy during the day. So, um, you know, and if you guys ever come up with anything, let me know. Um, you got my, my email now so you can we will send me a message you. as you come yeah, up. Exactly. Things, yeah. well, there you go. <laughs> I, can see, I can see it on your business card now, Daniel, Daniel Machado. I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, good stuff yeah. <laughs> well Daniel you know we, we told you at the top of the show you know how we sign off our podcast so without any further ado would you take us out this week I will enjoy collecting everybody especially on the impact thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors podcast visuals and tasting notes for each episode can be found on our Facebook page you can subscribe and leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash mtcp we're also on iTunes, Spotify and all major podcast platforms please take a second to subscribe, like and review our show wherever you get your podcasts our podcast can be found by googling at the MCC pod which will also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram our Facebook community is at MCCW Marvel Card Collectors worldwide and mmc marvel masterpieces collectors the great music we use is called rocket power by kevin mcleod thanks to the collectors artists and creators who support the marvel cards fan collective we'll see you next time and remember it's a small hobby but a fun one make mine marvel and enjoy collecting